Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Here it is, the first day of March 2016, known as Super Tuesday, across much of America because of the fact that many people are voting uh, based on their party, Republicans, Democrats, as to who they want to be the nominee for being president of the United States of America come on our election later this year. Yet tonight, we're talking about something completely different. We're talking about marriage. As a matter of fact, on the Joe Beam Show tonight, we're going to be talking about seven common beliefs that lead to major marriage problems. I call them marriage myths. And if you're thinking, wow, are there just seven? The answer is no. Actually, I came up with about 20. (laughs) But I've chosen from those 20 the seven that we'll do tonight. And if you know of other marriage myths as we go through the program, we'll be glad to take your call and you can talk to us about that. But I'll go through these seven. As a matter of fact, if I get through with all of these seven, I may even go into some of the others that we have listed as being marriage myths that cause problems. But I'll go with these seven. And in between that, we'll be talking to callers as we go through the evening. Our telephone number is 646 378 0424. That is 646-378-0424. Now, when you call, you can just listen on your phone if you wish. As a matter of fact, I can see a great number of people are out there listening on their phones right now, as well as those, of course, who are listening on their computer. And if you wish to speak to me when you call, if you want to be on the air with me and interact with me, then what you'll do when you hear that little opening menu, when the phone answers, you'll press the number one. And that signifies me that you're there and that we'll have a conversation. Now, again, I'm going to be going through seven common beliefs that lead to major marriage problems. But I'll tell you what, we're actually going to start the program a little different in that I'm going to start by taking a call. Hello, area code 904. You're on the Joe Bean Show. Uh, Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Hi. Fine. Can you give me a first name, please? Uh, Yes. uh, First name's Kyle. Okay, Kyle, how can I help you tonight? I didn't expect to get on that quick. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I usually don't answer that quickly, but because I'm going to be asking other people about marriage myths, uh, let's start with whatever your question or comment is tonight. How can I help you, my friend? Well, um, you know, I I really called in because I needed some advice, to be honest with you. Um, All right. uh, We're kind of in dire straits in our marriage, uh, so to speak. and uh, over the last five years we've been married, we have two kids, and um, I, I didn't realize it, um, but among other things, um, I had been um, extremely controlling, I guess you would say. And mm-hmm. um, even, um, you know, four months ago, there are several layers of things going on. Um, I was deceitful with finances and business practices and just, just kind of hiding stuff from my wife. I didn't realize that it was being that bad. I thought I was protecting her um, mm-hmm. from getting upset. But the truth was is that all she wanted to do was to have all of me, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I could never figure out why. Um, and long story short, I discovered one of the reasons was is because there had been some abuse that happened to me when I was a child. And, and um, you know, God revealed that to me and I shared that with her. 
we got past it, but it wasn't completely finished. I was still hiding some things. And finally, as the last resort, that thing came out and she finally said, you know what, that's it. I'm done. Um, you know, the, uh, in-laws got involved at that point, uh, her family and, you know, kind of protected her and said, you know, yeah, we're pulling her out. You're done. Um, you know, um, long story short, <clears throat> we decided, um, well, she decided rather that we would separate and I honored her request reluctantly, but I did. We spent Thanksgiving and Christmas apart, um, barely seeing the boys during this time and, uh, me just giving her as much space as possible. And in the times that we did see each other, there was a lot of hurt and heartache, angry words, hitting, you know, you know, that there's just that kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, um, just a lot of anger on her mm-hmm. side. Um, mm-hmm. If you were to talk to her, she would tell you that she felt duped, that she got married. She, she, you know, she just didn't understand what she was doing. Um, she had expectations that weren't met, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And um, long story short, at this point, um, we had a pretty rough interaction one day, and um, it ended with, I guess, her just kind of deciding in her heart that she did want a divorce after all. Um, mm-hmm. She has one friend who's a really strong Christian who's kind of holding out hope for everything, and she gave her rings to her four months ago, and her friend hasn't given her rings back to her yet. Um, but, um, you know, her friend doesn't agree with divorce and, you know, my wife at this point just says, well, you know, I don't really care. I just don't want to be married to you anymore. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we used to serve in church together. We used to do a lot of things together and we just don't do anything together anymore. And, um, um, just to kind of sum it up where we're at now, um, as of yesterday, um, her boyfriend is calling me and, you know, kind of threatening me. Um, telling me that he's going to be the one handing Mike to me from now on and, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, I did contact the boyfriend to tell him to please back off, give us space, let us deal with our separation right now. Please be respectful of that. I was thinking okay. he would actually listen to that. He didn't. <laughs> well, so, okay. Um, Can I ask a couple of questions here? Number one, tell me again how absolutely. long you've been separated. Uh, four months. Okay. And how long has the boyfriend been in the picture? That I know of, maybe mm-hmm. a week or two. Okay, so I, he's I, a. He told he told me he told me today that he knew everything about me and he knew how devastated I made my wife feel and what I did to her over the last right. couple months. And he said and he said he knew because his mother told him. And I said, "What do you mean your mother told you?" And he said, "My mother's her counselor." I'm like, "Oh gosh." So <laughs> yeah, that is uh, first of all, that's unethical to the nth degree. That indeed, yeah. if if mom was a counselor and mom's telling her son what your wife has said, that uh, uh, that counselor actually should have his, uh, her license removed if she has a license. Well, I don't her think, license should be removed. I don't think she's. I don't think she's a licensed counselor. I looked her up. She owns an electric company and all that stuff. So okay, well, I don't, don't want to talk anything bad about that family. The truth is, is that there's things that that my wife and I did to each other to cause us to get to this point. And okay, of course, I understand. But what you said, what I've heard you say so far is this. You said that you were controlling. You said that you kept things from her. And then I heard you say that you have discovered some things about yourself. For example, if I heard you say correctly, you became aware of the fact that you were abused as a child. Does that mean you had no memory of that? Yeah, I didn't. Okay. And are you sure that that happened when you say you can be aware of it? Do you have specific memories of it now? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it's vivid. We've kind of been through it. I've had sexual abuse okay. counselor and things like that. So. 
Oh, All right. Yeah. Okay, good. And so in the interactions you're having with your wife, they turn angry. She has, uh, she has a lot of anger. The first thing to understand about that is that anger is always based on pain. Therefore, if, if she's demonstrating anger, it means that she's hurting very deeply. Now, you said that if we were to ask her what happened, basically, and I'm paraphrasing what you said, that she would say that uh, the marriage she went up in was not the one that she signed up for. That's, am I getting that correct? Okay. I would say and so, that's what she would say. Okay. And so over the five years, you had all kinds of problems. Since you separated, you had more problems. In addition to that, her, her parents um, are totally against you. My guess is, like most parents of one spouse, they have heard one side, which is her side. Now, you said you called to ask for advice. So specifically, what advice are you looking for? Uh, I guess my advice is now that I know that I've been, uh, after I listened to your podcast on controlling today, I mean, I literally was driving home after talking to my therapist and saying, you know, am I this controlling? Because that's what my wife is screaming, you know, at everybody Mm -hmm. saying he's so controlling. And I'm thinking, I'm just trying to fight for my marriage. I'm telling a guy to back mm-hmm. off, give us some space, you know? Okay, and so when you listen to that podcast, did you decide you were controlling or not? Good Lord, yes. Okay, so you have been controlling. All right, so she's pulled back from you, and any interactions you're having now are negative, but I still haven't heard the specific advice you're asking for. Well, I guess my specific advice is, how do I demonstrate to my wife that I'm a, a changed person or uh, that I am changing? That's what I've been trying to demonstrate for the last four months. And I thought I was doing a good job, but I didn't realize that by me trying to, you know, shove scripture down her throat and tell her where God mm-hmm. stands and that, you, you know, I, I just, you know, I didn't realize that that was pushing her further and further and further and further and further away. Right. But, but you know that now, now, because of the fact that you know that, then you surely understand that there's no way you're going to make her come back. You, you've gotten that down all right. So when you say, okay, what do I do? The only thing you can do is this. You become a safe place so that if there are further communications, and I'm assuming since you said you have two children together that there are going to be further communications, that sure. And, and by the way, and this is going to take time, what I'm about to describe for you will not happen rapidly. But if you, in those interactions, be very calm, very quiet, very calm, and you listen to her, whatever it is that she has to say, and if you disagree with her, which you can, because there will undoubtedly be some parenting things you'll talk about, and you won't always agree with that. But even as you disagree, rather than trying to convince her to see your side, unless you think that your children are in jeopardy by something you disagree with, it probably should be something like, okay, uh, Please allow me to tell you what I think about that. I want you to hear. And then don't force, because anything you do that tries to pull her back, like you said, quote, shoving scripture down her throat, end quote, uh, begging, manipulating, uh, arguing, all those kinds of things, almost always push the other person away from you faster. But I'm not telling you anything you don't know, because you've already experienced that. So you become the exact opposite of that. That means very calm, very quiet, listening a whole lot when you do have interactions. Now, that, in the outset, is not going to change anything, nothing at all. But over the period of time, by doing that, you can finally begin to show her that you are not going to continue to be the person you were before that was controlling. 
That's the only way to do that. By any chance, are you uh, in our 10-week online course that we do by any chance? No, but I did hear about it for the first time tonight, and I'll probably be signing up for it. Okay, well, in that, um, and, and I'm not trying to make a commercial per se, I'm just saying that in that we have a lot of videos and a lot of uh, written things that you look at over those 10 weeks that are a lot more than I can tell you right now. I'm giving you the gist sure. of it, which is you are going to become that very safe place. Now, when it comes to the boyfriend, do you have any um, fear or hesitation about how that might be affecting your children, the fact that he's in the picture? Now, he's a little bit of a hothead, um, at least the way he's demonstrated me by, you know, calling me with block caller ID and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, uh, if he is, now, if, if if your children, okay, a couple of things here, and, and, and this is, of course, for you to work out. The truth, the truth is, is I don't think he is in as deep of a relationship as he thinks he is. That's yeah, the truth. Yeah, he probably um, I isn't. Yeah, I think he, he thinks isn't. that they're a lot closer than they really are. Right. Yeah, the arrogance of a guy calling you and saying, you know, threatening you, and I'll be handing your children to you, et cetera. First of all, uh, if you don't want that to happen, you could get an attorney to make sure that he's not involved with those kids. Now, again, that's based on where you live and how the laws are where you live. But if if you wanted to do something about that, his arrogance is ill-founded is what I'm saying. On the other hand, yes. if that's the kind of arrogance that he's demonstrating, and if he is that hothead, she's not going to stay with him much longer either. Because if what she's reacting to is feeling controlled, people who are hot-headed are controlling. I mean, almost always. And so yeah. she may well tire of him pretty quickly. In the meantime, if I were you, I would ignore the guy. I mean, unless he does something that you can't ignore. Don't let him push No, I've, your I've blocked him and all that stuff. I mean, I've Good. blocked him and... Excellent. Pretty much just been like he doesn't exist. Yeah, good. Don't let that guy push your buttons. So I'm back to the same thing again. It's not going to happen quickly, okay? It's going to take some time. You're going to get frustrated by that. But if you continue to be what we refer to as a safe place, where that when you have interactions with her, she's not afraid there's going to be arguments. She's not afraid there's going to be yelling or arguing. She's not afraid there's going to be any kind of put down at all. Then with enough time... And you will have communication because of the children with enough time, you can potentially win her over. Now, there's a lot more to that. Uh, and, of course, that's in our Save My Marriage course that's on Marriage Helper, if you want to look for that. Uh, and, uh, again, mm. I'm not trying to push you to buy my product. I'm just saying that I can't tell you 10 weeks worth of stuff in five minutes is all I'm trying to say there. But that's the first place, Kyle. Get that calm strength within you. Don't react. Don't push, don't yell, don't argue. That doesn't mean that you just put up with anything that you think is bad. If something's bad, you've got to do something about it. But as much as you can, you become that very gentle, quiet, calm, listening, uh, accepting, affirming person. And hopefully, hopefully with time, she'll begin to see that. And that will open a different level of communication between the two of you. Should I let her know? Because right now, I mean, you know, she stays in the house and I, you know, I'm staying with my parents just to give her the space. And, um, you know, uh, she's cut my, she cut my phone off yesterday because I contacted her, you know, their boyfriend contacted me and all that stuff. So she kind of put a stop to that. Um, so, um, you know, should I reach out to her and let her know about my revelation or should I just kind of my guess is Let, that she you know, would, bygones be, be bygones. Yeah, my I guess mean, is she told that me she would do it for divorce. As, 
Right. But I don't, I don't think it's going to work to your advantage if you contact her and say, I've had a revelation. I think what's going to happen if you do is that she's going to see it as more manipulation, more trying to control her. I'll now, believe is, it when I see it. I think, yeah. Right. And now, is there a time to do that? There absolutely is. There actually comes a time when, and you'll see it in that course if you decide to take it, when we actually guide you through a process of how to write a letter, not a long letter, but a short letter. We tell you how to do it. But at this point in what you're going through, I would say, no, that's not time for that right now. So, again, I think the only thing you can do right now, and it's going to frustrate you because it's going to take a while, is just demonstrate, demonstrate, demonstrate the calm, easy affirmation, become a different person in her mind. And she's not going to believe it to begin with. And she may even push you. She may even test it by, by pushing your buttons to see how you're going to react. Stay calm. And if you do, with enough time, you have a shot at putting this back together. Do you have any uh, tips on how to stay calm? Because these are very emotional situations. <laughs> I know it's emotional. It's going to be up to you. It's going to be up to you to think and decide, okay, I'm about to have a conversation with my wife. Now I need to calm myself down. You're, you're a religious man. You refer to scripture. Then you're going to need to pray. And you probably need to practice something that's called mindfulness. We actually did a program on that. If you go to iTunes, you can subscribe free there to Marriage Radio. And on iTunes, you'll find when we talked about how to be calm, how to do the mindfulness kinds of things. It's going to have to be you learning how to do that in spite of your nature. Nobody can do that for you. You're going to have to learn to do it on your own. But your motivation is, if I don't do this, I'm definitely going to lose my, my marriage. If I learn how to do this, I have a chance of saving my marriage. If you keep that at the forefront of your brain, then you've got a shot at doing this. Yeah, and I don't even want to convince my wife that I've changed. I actually want to change. Good. That's, that's exactly the only way to do it is to actually change, and she sees the demonstration of that. All right, my friend, I, I know you can do it. You sound like a very intelligent man, but it's going to take effort. It's not going to be easy, but you can do it if you choose to. Yeah, well, I definitely choose to. Um, okay. All I, right. I, I would say, if I could add one one thing, um, you're asking about the myths. Um, I would say one of the biggest myths is it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, that's a big myth. It really is. And as a matter of fact, what I'm about to do now is go through the seven most common. I've got 20 written here <laughs> to talk about. And one of them has to do with in-laws, by the way, one of the 20. But it's not going to be one of the top seven I talk about. But you've already discovered that. People who go into a marriage thinking that, wow, our, our parents, you know, your in-laws, my parents, are not going to be a factor in my marriage. That's a big myth because they never go away. They're always out there. Now, you have to make a determination. And in this case, it would be your wife making a determination as to how much influence they have. But the myth that we're marrying each other and therefore our families of origin are not going to affect us is a major myth. Because at the first sign of trouble, boy, parents will step in there. And quite often, and it's not because they're bad people, it's because they love their children Quite often when they do, they give some pretty bad advice or they protect their kids when their kids are making some pretty bad decisions or they turn against the son-in-law or daughter-in-law just begin because they really love their own child. And, and in-laws can cause a whole lot of marriage problems trying to help. But that's uh, one of the we look at. Tell you that her, her mother you know, can be quite controlling at times. And, yeah, which um, is probably yeah. one of the reasons that she has reacted to your control. 
it's like, oh my goodness, I've had this all my life, and now I'm hitting that's it with exactly you. What my, that's exactly what my counselor said. She saw me yep. as a safe place, and then, and then I you didn't weren't. become one. And yeah, right. Okay, my friend. And I hate that. Uh, well, <laughs> you you turn yourself around. You can do this. You're an intelligent guy. You can make it happen. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll be talking to you inside the uh, course. Thanks, sir. Okay. Thank you. All right, let me go into the seven myths now. I have already mentioned, if you've been listening to the program so far, that I've got about 20. <laughs> that as as I started making the list of, okay, what are these myths that people bring into marriage that, that actually are very destructive because they think this is what's going to happen and this is the way it's going to be, and then it turns out to be very different. Now, of the 20, in-laws are one of them, thinking our in-laws won't affect our marriage, but it's not one of the top seven I'm going to be talking about tonight. Okay, let me just start with one like this. All right, it's the it's the myth that you see, and I run into it all the time, sometimes with the bride, sometimes with the groom, which are these. Okay, I know there's some things about his or her personality that I'm not happy with, and some of the things about our relationship that are not what, that what they should be, but I am quite convinced that when we marry each other, all those things will work out and everything will be okay. No, that is a major myth. If it's a problem before you marry... It's going to be a problem after you marry. So, for example, now the young man who just called, who sounded like a very nice young man, and, and talked about the fact that, yeah, I, you know, when I listened to the podcast on control, I came to realize, indeed, I have been controlling. If, if you are controlling, well, let me say it this way. I actually taught this today at Lipscomb University, where I teach as adjunct faculty in the psychology department. I, I do that because I really like working with the students over there. I mean, very much. I have mostly juniors and seniors. And I was pointing out to them today, if you get engaged and you're thinking about being married and your spouse, I mean, your potential spouse, your, your fiance, is doing something such as being controlling and dominating and those kinds of things, don't think that will get better when you get married because it's going to continue. As a matter of fact, it may even get worse. And it's not just things like control. What if he or she has a problem with alcohol that they can't get under control? If you think, well, once we get married, we'll be together and I'll be there with you every day. And therefore, it won't be a problem. We'll help you get past that part of the same myth that the things we see before we get married that we're having problems with in a relationship or with personalities will all fix themselves just because we get married. No, no, no. If there is a problem out there and you're not yet married to each other, solve the problem first. Fix it. Now, if you say, well, like you mentioned in-laws already. So, so what if during even our engagement that the in-laws are involved in and controlling or dominating or putting their noses in our business, etc.? That's bad. And don't think it's going to get better. Now, I'm going to tell the story a little differently than the way it actually happened, just in case the person it happened to would ever hear this podcast. I don't want her to uh, be all upset again. But I know a lady, as a matter of fact, I worked with this situation back some time ago, and his, the groom's mom, did not want them to get married. She was very much against it. Well, he was, I'm in love with her. I'm going to marry her. He stood up to his mom, apparently, but not really. And she kept hounding and hounding. And the bride kept thinking, that's okay. She'll, she'll change her mind after we get married. They got married. They went on a cruise. She got on the ship with him. They got to their cabin. He said, I need to take care of something. I'll be right back. She waited in her room until after the ship was at sea and kept thinking he'll show up eventually. He had actually disembarked. 
gone home to tell mom, mom, I can't make you unhappy. I want to do whatever you want me to do. And actually file for an annulment from his marriage. And she was stuck on that ship for a week. Don't think those things will fix themselves. If there's a problem, fix it before you get married. Now, if you're saying, wait a minute, we already are married. Well, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. All right. So that's the first myth I want to talk about. The things that you don't like or the problems that you have or resolve after you get married, that's a myth. And it's going to cause you big, big problems. Here's another myth. My spouse wants the same things from life that I do. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that, math, that myth come back to bite people. You say, what do you mean? Well, one of them, for example, may have come from a home with a lot of children, and he thinks, okay, we're going to have a big family. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And then maybe she came from a home where that she was the only child, and she's thinking, no, I think it works a whole lot better if you just have one kid. You say, well, surely they would have talked about that in advance. No, <laughs> not just that, about where they're going to live. As a matter of fact, I actually dealt with, um, I'm going to make this one a little bit um, change it around some again. So the identity will be protected of, of a person who was making his way toward being a professional athlete at the professional level. I mean, he'd worked all his life toward that and met this young lady. They fell in love. They got married. And when finally he got the call to go to the pros, she said, well, you're not going, are you? He said, what do you mean? I've worked for this all of my life. She said, yeah, but all of my family lives around here. I assumed at some point you'd just give up that athletic stuff and get a job at the factory like everybody else and live here. You're thinking, I know, you're making these things up. You haven't really seen those kinds of things happen. No, I see it happen all the time. That they haven't thought about or talked about together what they expect life to be, where they're going to live, what kind of things they're going to do, all those kinds of things. And it's just the assumption, well, you'll want the same things I want. That is a myth. And people who are contemplating marriage should be discussing that in great detail before they ever get married. Now, again, if you're calling saying, wait a minute, we're already married and that's our problem. How do we fix it? We'll come back to that in a few minutes. Here's another one. This is number three of the seven I'll share with you tonight. The myth that happy couples don't fight. You know, if you're really happy, there won't be any arguments and fights. You'll get along fine. It's going to be wonderful. No, that's not the way it's going to happen. As a matter of fact, there's some very interesting research out there that says that couples who avoid conflict actually increase the likelihood of divorcing. And if you're saying, wait a minute, I thought couples divorce because of conflict. No, no, no. They divorce typically for one of three reasons or all three, by the way. I don't feel like you respect me. I don't feel like you love me. I don't feel like you like me. Those are the big three as to why people divorce. I feel disrespected. I feel disliked. I feel unloved. It's not because of conflict. It's the way people treat each other in conflict. No two people are going to agree on everything. And so if you disagree, that actually can be healthy as long as you do it with respect. As long as you do it, letting the other person know for sure, I love you. I'm not going to treat you badly. And conflict then can be resolved it's no longer trying to win my side. It's trying to find a way for the two of us to work out our situations together when we disagree. But if you avoid the conflict, what happens is over time, resentment builds up more and more and more. And when finally the explosion does take place, it is massive. Here's another one, another marriage myth that people often have. And that is, well, you know, we're different religions, but once we get married, that'll all resolve itself too. Now, typically, 
when I talk about couples of different religions, the ones that don't talk about it are the ones whose religions are similar. You say, what do you mean? Well, if you have a Baptist marrying a Methodist, for example, they don't talk about it because their religions are so similar. Or somebody who is in the Church of Christ marrying somebody who is in the Church of God. And they say, well, we're so similar, everything's going to be fine. Whereas if one of them were Jewish and the other Catholic, they probably would talk about their religion in advance. It's the ones who are similar that typically don't. And you say, well, it's no big deal then because our religions are so close. It does become a big deal if you maintain religion. Because I actually met a couple, and and she was from the Church of Christ, and he was from the Baptist Church. They were both very firm in their churches, very much involved in their churches, and they married. And actually, she said to me, we're best friends six days of the week. But on Sunday, he goes to his church, and I go to my church, and I feel like there's something really missing between us. You might be thinking, oh, well, that no big deal. They could still be happy. No. When finally children come along, if they do, now you're setting yourself up for a war. I mean, a big war. Which way do they go? Do they wind up going to this church or that church? And so thinking our religious differences don't matter? Hmm, that's wrong. They do. And you need to talk those things out in advance before you get married about how you're going to resolve those things. And if you can't resolve those things, you may have a problem. Now, you could even be members of the same church but have religious differences. Like, well, I'm a member of this particular denomination, and my church has contemporary worship, and I like that. And and the spouse is like, well, I'm a member of the same denomination, but our church has very traditional, conservative, old-fashioned kind of worship. You say, that can actually be a problem? It really can. So you look at all those things and say, Our religious differences, whether we are in different churches or in the same church with different views, are things we need to discuss in advance. And, again, as I'm saying all through the program, if you're saying, wait a minute, we're married and we have that problem, how to resolve it? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Okay, a couple more. And since I mentioned children, let me go ahead and say that. One myth is, well, when we finally do have children, if we do, we'll have the same views about how to raise our children. We'll have the same ideas about what values and uh, beliefs we teach them. We'll have the same views about how we discipline them. And inevitably, couples very seldom talk about that before they get married because they're thinking, children, that's way down the line somewhere. We're not worried about that. And then when the kids come along, one of them has a view of this is the way you discipline the children. And the other one, no, 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 no. That's the way you discipline the children. And so one wants to be very calm and quiet and discuss things and talk it through. While the other is saying, no, no, you just need to take action, pop their little bottom, tell them what's right, tell them what's wrong, punish them when they do wrong, bless them when they do right. And you said, that doesn't lead to really big arguments, does it? I actually watched when I was a young man, I'm talking about wasn't even a teenager yet, at a friend's house. And the husband and wife in that home got into an argument about how to discipline one of the kids and went up in a fist fight. Now, I hope and pray that never happens to you, but I'm telling you, these kinds of things do matter. Okay, here's another one. And that is, you know, uh, when we get married, life starts anew, our past won't affect us. Therefore, we don't need to talk about our past. We don't need to work through our past problems. Wrong, wrong, wrong. So, for example, a very kind, nice young man who called earlier talked about, well, he discovered some things about his own life, about being abused as a child. I'll guarantee you those kinds of things can cause problems later in marriage if you don't talk about them in advance. Now, with him, 
He said he didn't find out until after he was married when he had some help to think some things through. But I'm thinking of a couple right now that I know, and and they were both uh, highly intelligent, very educated people. They had all kinds of arguments when it came to all kinds of things, only in therapy that they were doing together, marriage therapy, that she finally tell him about the abuse that she had gone through as a child. Now, she had known it all along. She just hadn't told him. It was like, well, we got married. Life started new. Our past wouldn't affect us, but it had definitely affected them in several ways, including in the bedroom. Not only that, but sometimes it could be the lifestyle that you lived before. I mean, whether you were like drinking or drugging or whether you like this or you like that, whether you participated in that kind of activity or the other, thinking it'll never matter. It'll all be fine. I actually watched a couple divorce once because he found out that she had been with a couple of different guys before they ever got married. You're saying, wait a minute, what an idiot, what a cruel guy. I mean, should that make a difference to him? It did. And if they had talked about that before they ever got married and worked through those things, then it would not have been the thing that ended their marriage. They would have worked through it then. Okay, here's one more, and this is the second one. That's this. My spouse will want sex as much as I do and want to do the same sexual things that I do. And often couples don't talk about this before they get married because they just assume when they're dating and things are kind of hot and heavy, when they start kissing each other, the passion starts flowing and they start feeling all these intense desires and drives. And in our day and time, I guess they might actually even wind up having sex with each other. You know, in a previous generation, they would have just stopped with the making out, those kinds of things. But now they'll have sex with each other and say, wow, we were compatible. That was good. We'll still want sex the same way. And, and we'll both have the same level of desire. And we're both going to want to do the same sexual things. And then they get married. And that changes. Interestingly, it's been my experience in working with religious people that if they did wind up having sex with each other before they got married, it tends to cause great problems afterwards when one of them maybe both, but at least one starts to feel guilty after they get married and they start pulling away and backing off. Plus there's a thing called sexual habituation. What that means is that once any couple has been making love to each other for a couple of years, it kind of gets the thing they're so used to. It's going to be always done the same way and uh, their repertoire decreases. We're not doing as many different things. Their frequency decreases and thinking, okay, all that's going to be something we see the same way after we get married doesn't necessarily hold true. And therefore that's one of those things that a couple should discuss before they get married. Let's talk.